worship team, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 18 says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Notice they did not go where they were feeling. Notice they didn't go on their own. They went where Jesus had directed them. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Real quick, everybody that went to where Jesus had directed them was a believer. Everyone who went was a believer. You could almost use our common modern terminology. Everybody that went to see what Jesus was going to say was already saved, right? Some worshiped, but some doubted. That's a lot like every Sunday, every Wednesday, every small group, every online worship experience, no matter what it is. There's going to be some who worship and there's going to be some who doubt, but that does not mean that they are lost. It simply means they are doubting. Hang on to that because that's where we're going over the next few weeks. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority. If you're following along in your Bible or on your Bible app or or whatever, you want to highlight that word all because that, that matters. Jesus came and said to them, all authority. Somebody help me. Is there any other authority but all? When he said all, it kind of took care of all of it, right? I know I'm from Louisiana, and I grew up going to Christian school, and we didn't learn all the stuff that you're supposed to learn, but I'm pretty sure that all means everything. I'm pretty sure that when you say the word all, that there's nothing missing, amen? All authority in heaven, just in case there was anybody who was wondering who is the authority in heaven, his name's Jesus. And on earth, and just in case anyone was wondering if there's another authority on the earth, no, there is no greater authority even in the earth than Jesus. Didn't get as many amens on that, but but it's still true. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right here where you are, lift your hands. Father, let your word be planted in us. Let your word come alive in us. Change us from the inside out into who you designed us to be. And give us your power, give us your authority, and rest your identity on us today. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. In case you're wondering what is going on today, because it is extra poppy up in the house, we started off today at 9 o'clock baptizing someone into the family of God. And here in a few minutes, when I get through yelling and screaming, we're going to baptize some more people into the family of God. And later on this afternoon, we're going to go to the Copeland Tower to the hotel there, and we're going to baptize somebody in a bathtub because, praise God. Say, why a bathtub? Because that water's too cold, and he's sick, and the nurse said he can't be in cold water, so we found some hot water. We're going to baptize him into the family of God up in a hotel. So I guess we could say, Al Copeland, thank you for Popeye's and thanks for the bathtub. (laughs) Praise God. We're starting a brand new series here today called Authority. Everybody say authority. Authority. Simply this, recognizing his authority and living with authority. Let me mess with this real quick. Is that okay if I mess with you? 
I'm messing with me too. I'm, I'm not coming at you. I'm coming with you. Christians love to speak with authority. Christians love to talk about what we're going to say. Especially the more spirit-filled you get, the more you feel like you got something to say. I've got a word for you. Shut up. <laughs> we love to talk about what we say we believe. We love to talk about it, but the question is, when our talking runs out and we run out of breath, are we living what we've been yapping about? So here, here's the truth. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, and when you receive Jesus, when you accept him, get all non-denominational, when you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, I'll handle the Baptist when you sign the card and shake the preacher's hand, get all Pentecostal when you get saved, sanctified, and soaked all up in the Holy Ghost, and you bibbidi-bobbidi-boo all over the front, you know, just whatever it is. When you get saved... You have received all the authority that is in God. In, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When you receive Jesus, you receive what you need. So stop talking about it and start living it. Say, I don't know how to do that. Good, I'm so glad you came today. Part one, here we go. Anybody got a struggle in your life? Those of you who didn't raise your hand, your struggle is lying. <laughs> Here's the reason that we struggle. Even though we believe, some worshiped and some doubted. Here's the reason that believers stay in struggles. Doubt. Doubt does not negate salvation. It just simply adds a hurdle to what you have to fight over as you are becoming saved. See, here's the problem. We've listened to theology too long, and we think that when we receive Jesus, we have received salvation. No, I'm sorry. You didn't read the rest of the Bible. All you did was receive access to salvation. You got to go to 1 Peter and find out that when you receive Jesus, you are being saved. It's a process, baby. It's not going to end the moment you say, whoa, I got him. No, that's just the beginning. You are being saved. Well, when am I going to be saved? When you pass from this life to the next, whether you die in Christ or whether you're caught, when you enter into the resurrection, that's when salvation is complete. Does that mean I'm lost? No, 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 no. Don't, don't get up all in your religion. Get out of your feelings. Get into the word of God. We are being saved. We are in the process. And because we are not yet perfected, we will have moments of doubt. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want any of us to like be singled out here. Heck, I'll raise my hand. I've experienced moments of doubt. I'm the pastor of the church. I experienced some doubt this week. You're going to experience doubt because you are human. If you are not experiencing doubt, you are not human. Please leave. This is a human church. We like us some humans. If you're not human, there's probably a church somewhere else on another planet. Pastor John used to work at NASA. He can help you get there. I love teasing you about NASA. SpaceX, I'm just saying. He's going to throw things at me. Y'all, it's time to recognize that even though there are moments of doubt, even though there are times when the struggle becomes real, 
When, when we wake up in the morning, we're like, I just don't feel God. That that does not mean you are lost. It simply means you're in a place of doubt. In this moment, look around. Are you where God led you or did you go where your feelings told you to go? Ooh, that's good preaching already. Y'all, it's time to start living who we are. So today, part one of the authority series is simply this, the authority of identity. Everybody say identity. Revelation 22 verse 13 says this. This is Jesus speaking and he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Is he being redundant? No, he's just being very transparent. Because he knew there was going to be a day. Two plus thousand years later when believers are going to struggle to know who they're supposed to pray to. Do I pray to some Egyptian God? Do I pray to some religious deity? Do I, do I pray to some process? Do I pray to the Father and for a few minutes and then go pray to the Son for a few minutes and then go pray to the Holy Spirit for a few minutes? Oh, I just messed with somebody. No, I am. Notice he didn't say someone else is. I am the Alpha, the Omega. Okay, th these are words that unless you go to college, you probably don't know what that means. Alpha means beginning. Omega is like Z in our alphabet. It ends there. It begins with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. Everything that happens in between those bookends is nothing but Jesus. Pastor, are you Jesus only? No, I'm Jesus everything. Alpha, Omega, beginning and ending, first and last. Why do you have to say it like that? Just in case there was somebody in another language that did not understand Greek. So stop chasing a theology degree and just get into the Bible. He says it in English. It will interpret itself. Alpha, Omega, beginning, end, first, last. There's nothing else that you need but me. That's what he's saying. You, we, you see, here's the deal. We go places looking for something more. We go looking in other relationships trying to find what's missing. We go looking in substances trying to find something to ease our pain. We had a long day. I just need to unwind. So let me pour something that is addictive into my life. And then I wonder why I stay in my situation. Man, if I could just get a little bit of that in me. No, what you need is a little bit more of Jesus in you. He is all that you need. You don't need anything else because he is the everything. So let me say it to you like this. It is possible to obey God and even worship him yet still live in doubt. Say, how is this possible? Here's the reason, y'all. It's possible to live in this moment because we don't really know him. I'm not coming at you. I'm going to peel back a layer of misunderstanding so that we can leave here in the clarity of identity today. We don't really know him. We know about him. We've heard a lot of sermons about him. We've watched a lot of videos about him. We may even sung some songs about him. We like the idea of him, but do we really truly know the one who is? Is he some long-faced guy with an English accent and piercing blue eyes with a beautiful beard that has been coiffed and styled? Is Jesus Jim Carvizal or however you say his name? Is that who Jesus is to you? I don't know what that was, but 
Is, is Jesus some figure for you? Is Jesus a character in a story? Or is he who he says he is? Does it matter what he says? You better believe it. Because if what he says isn't true, nothing he did matters. And if nothing that he did matters, what in the world are we doing here? There are probably better places to go in the New Orleans area on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, right? Y'all didn't amen me, so thank y'all for coming today. That's awesome. (laughs) But we have doubt because we don't really know him. We don't know him so many times because we don't recognize his authority. Well, Pastor, you're talking about lost folks. I'm talking to saved and sanctified folks. We don't recognize his authority. That's why we ignore aspects of the Bible that make us uncomfortable. And that's why we think that the Bible is nothing but a suggestion. That's why we stay, I believe, but then I stay addicted. He's messing with things. No, I'm just peeling back the layers. I want you to see. This is why the divorce rate in the church is just as bad as it is outside of the church because we don't recognize the authority and we don't even recognize marriage as being an extension of our relationship with God. We think it's a legal issue and it has nothing to do with legality. It has everything to do with the identity of who created us in his own likeness and in his own image. Is this okay? Notice this, you will never have power over what you face in this life until you accept and submit to his authority. If you have struggles in your life, just about all of us who are honest raised our hands a few minutes ago. Some of us raised both hands. We're extra honest. Actually, what we're doing is we're covering for all of you who were scared to raise your hand. We will not have power over the things that we struggle with until we first accept. Everybody say accept. Which means we have to understand who he is. I cannot accept your authority if I don't understand who you are. One of the ways that my children know who I am is because when they were younger and they got out of line, I disciplined them to get them into line. I know that's not popular. I can tell by the stares I'm getting. But the reason that I had to discipline them is so that they would understand that when I spoke to them that there was something behind the word that aligned them with where they needed to go. There will be times in your relationship with God that God will chastise you. That's a KJV word that simply means he's going to punish you. But why do I need to be chastised by God? The Bible says the Lord chastised those whom he loves. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to show you who he is. That's why bad things can happen to good people. Because God's saying, you made some bad choices, so you had a bad day. You look around and you're in the middle of this funk, and he's like, all right, I'm not going to let you drown, but I'm going to let you walk this out. Just walk it out. 
There's a wide variety of music that's all built up inside of here. I got to stop. I will go all day with that. But there will be moments when you feel not the judgment of God. Trust me, we've never even touched the judgment of God. But there will be times when God allows the consequences of our bad choices to be real in our experience. Not because he hates us, not because he's maniacal, but because he loves us as a loving father. Hey, you messed up. I told you not to do that. You messed up. Parents, I'm helping you out. So I'm going to help you back in line. Here's Here's what the Bible says. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He doesn't beat us. He doesn't beat us. He doesn't abuse us. He takes his rod and he says, don't walk there because there's stuff there you don't need to walk into. And he takes his staff and he's like, oh, you stepped in it. Let me pull you out of it. And we're like, no, don't. I live in grace. No, you don't. You don't even understand what grace is. You think grace is a license to live however you want to when you don't understand that the grace of God is the power to live free from anything that gets on you. Man, alive, I feel like I walked back 20 years in a Pentecostal church. I need a bath towel right now. (laughs) Todd, if you take off running the aisles, we're all in trouble. But you have to first accept his authority. You are the authority, not me. Oh, that just messes with my Americanism. How dare you tell me there's authority greater than my own ideas? Oh, my God. Huh? Pharrell? What's that about, God? NBD. Uh. All the older folks are like, what is that? I have four teenagers. I do things and I know things I don't even understand what they are. They speak a language I know not of. It's like they're speaking in tongues all day long. I'm like, somebody needs to come in my life and interpret like, uh, I don't get it. Like, why are you challenging me, God? Because I want you to accept my authority. There is no authority greater than me. And the reason you're struggling in your situation is you're trying to be your own God. So you're not going to have power over the things that are messing with you until you accept my authority. Then you have to submit. Oh, he said it. Yeah, he did. This is where we get ourselves in trouble. And this is why believers can still experience depression. This is why believers can get overcome with anxiety. This is the reason that believers can be embroiled in addictions. This is how believers can be in love with Jesus yet sleep around like everybody's welcome. I'm tired of playing around with godliness. The reason that we live like this and the reason that we're caught up in our struggles is we don't accept and we don't submit. Does that mean we're lost? No. We may end up there. But what it means is while we worship we have some doubt. We need to understand where the authority is. Now understand this, doubt is not the absence of faith. It's simply faith that has not yet been activated. 
When you receive Jesus Christ, you receive what the Bible calls a measure of faith. In other words, you've received, and we'll dive into this a little bit in January. I'm saying that so you'll come back in January. We've got a really great series coming. It's going to be awesome. But when you receive Jesus Christ, you literally receive everything that you need to make it from the point of accessing salvation to entering the gates of, of, of heaven. Everything you need, you receive in that moment. We don't believe it. doesn't change the reality that we have received it. Doubt is simply faith that we have not plugged in to the 220 that is Jesus. We have faith but we don't know how to use it. Y'all track with me. Is that enough examples for you to understand where I'm going with this? And here's the deal. Jesus is not offended by our doubt. His people sometimes get offended by doubt because his people have made it all about themselves, less about him, more about their preferences and more about their style, their brand, their denomination, their religious thought, their theology, their book, their, their ministry. But Jesus is not offended by our doubt. He knows that we have it because he's the one who made us. Here's what he's offended by. Our religious piety that acts like we don't have it. We're living in doubt. And we're all sucked up in the middle of our, of our issues. And we're like, ah, I hate life today. And we see somebody that goes to church with like, oh, praise the Lord, brother. Go sit down somewhere. Like everything's fine in our life. Something happens we don't like, we blow up Facebook. <laughs> Walking to the church, oh God, bless you. God's not offended by the fact that we lost our cookies on Facebook. He's offended that we lost our cookies on Facebook and then walked in as if we still had cookies. Stop acting like you are something you're not. Is this too real? This, this is like church reality show. Coming soon to Fox. <laughs> I don't need no help. I got you. But here's the deal. We, we live in doubt and we think Jesus is offended. He's not. He's offended by the fact that we're acting like we have our stuff together and we don't. He's like, I need somebody to open their eyes and say, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. I believe you can do whatever you're going to do. I believe you can say, I believe that you are who you say you are, but help those aspects of me that don't believe. Romans 8, chapter, 30, uh, chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. What then shall we say to these things? you got to understand. Let, let me give you a little context real quick. Chapter 7 of Romans is probably the most confusing, most misunderstood, most badly taught book of, or chapter of the entire Bible. Because this is where the Apostle Paul, who is just regaling them with stories of God's greatness and talking about how they are grafted into the lineage of God. And then in chapter 7, he like takes off all of the religious robes and he's like, but life sucks. In the moment I think I know what I'm supposed to do, I do the wrong thing. In the moment that I think that I've got everything together, I realize I don't. In the moment when I think that I'm doing the right thing, I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. 
Here is the Apostle Paul, the guy who writes two-thirds of the New Testament, saying, I have days when I don't believe. Somebody feel a little bit better about your situation now. There are days that God speaks, and I don't agree. <laughs> Welcome to earth. If you're not being offended by the gospel, it's been nice knowing you. We'll see you on the other side. You have been perfected. But because you and I are human, there are going to be things in us that the gospel is going to offend. Because we're going to open the word of God and we're going to see that that thing that we like to drink actually is probably something that we should avoid. And that thing that we like to suck on is probably something that's killing us spiritually as much as it's killing us physically. Or that thing that we thought we believed, that thing that we thought was taught that was truth, we come to find out that it's actually poison that's sucking the life out of us spiritually and it's going to affect us physically and there's no overflow happening because we're caught up in doubt and we don't even realize it. And Paul is just being real, saying, hey, y'all, here's the thing. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have wonderful days. But there's going to be those Mondays, possibly Tuesday through Saturdays. There's going to be Sundays that you go and the worship team sings every song off key. The drummer's playing in a whole other rhythm. All the lights have Tourette's, and then we don't even know what to do. Sorry, I'm not politically correct. I don't even know how to do it. You're going to have days when it does not go the way that you want it to. You're going to step out in faith and everything's going to fall apart. And you're going to be like, God, what's up? And he's like, just hang on. I don't want to. So what shall we say then to these things? What shall I say to the moments when I feel like everything in my life is completely upended? What do I say to these things when I look at my experience and I can't even find a place to have solid ground? What do I say in these moments? If God is for me, who can be against me? sick, I'm hurting, I'm in pain, I'm broken they left me, I'm, they've abandoned me, they've abused me, they said things about me they shouldn't have said I have a great loss in my life yes, I just completely described all of us what shall we say then to these things my friends Ray and Lynette are here love y'all, so glad to see you here wasn't all that long ago you got the bad news that your daughter had passed from this life to the next. Not trying to embarrass you. But how do you hang on to faith in a loss like that? How do you hang on to belief in a God that allows that to happen? Is this too real? What shall they say to these things? If God is for me, who can be against me? But I'm struggling. If God is for me, who can be against me? 
but I don't know where to turn. If God is for me, who can be? There will be moments when you wake up and days that you go through weeks and months, possibly even years, that the only thing you can express is this. If God is for me, who can be against me? And you may not even believe it, but baby, it's okay because he believes in you. So here's the first thing you need to do. Live according to who he is, not who you are. Live according to who he is, not who you are. Let, let me dive in here real quick. I'm almost done. Verse 32. He who do who ah, blah, 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 blah. he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I get confused. I'm reading the New King James and the language gets tough. So used to reading one of these modern translations like with like neat words that are easy like cat and dog and now we're getting all up into these. Verse 33. Who shall bring a charge? I love this. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? What does that mean? You have to understand this. God's elect. That phrase literally means this. The ones who God has chosen by hand, picked up, plucked out, and placed in a position of authority. Who shall bring a charge against the people God has picked up, plucked out, and set over here for a greater purpose? Who? My circumstance? No, you can't bring a charge against me because if God is for me, who can be against me? I've been chosen by God. I've been set on a place of position and power. God has given me authority, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. My authority is not within myself. My authority is not within my circumstance. My authority is in the one who created me, the one who lived to show me how to live, the one who died, the one who resurrected, the one who filled me with his power. Who is he who condemns? Who's the fool that's going to try to condemn you? Get on Mr. T. I pity the fool that's trying to condemn me right now. Because it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God. Now let me stop right here because I want to mess with some theology because I don't want us misunderstanding. Jesus is not some second tier deity. We don't use this phraseology. And the reason that I use the New King James is because I wanted to get all ancientified. I made that up. Because I want you to understand what's happening here. Jesus is the one who died and furthermore also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. That does not mean that there is some old man and some young dude. Let me say it again. There's not some old man with a long beard. That's me. There's not some young dude. That's who I used to be. Last name's Young, so I got y'all beat forever, whatever. There's not some God and some other God. This one going, I'm at your right hand. What's up? That's not how it works. This is a phraseology that we don't use. That's why we misunderstand it. The right hand of God literally means this. From the ancient, it simply means this. The seat of authority. you got to go to Colossians. For God was pleased that in Him 
dwelled all the fullness of divinity in a bodily form. So here's what this phrase means. I hope I'm messing with you because that's just fun. I mean, I love messing with theology. God, the invisible spirit who always has been that from which everything was created, said, I'm going to create a body and I'm going to completely fill it and then I'm going to take all this goodness and I'm going into the place of authority. There's no one on the left because he is here. Did I miss you? He's not here and here. Here is everywhere. When Jesus takes on the authority of God, when the physicality takes on the authority, that is all that you need. He died, furthermore is also risen, but who is even at the right hand of God, the seat of power. Notice this. I'm going to mess with New Orleans here. Who also makes intercession for us. Let me just say it. If you're watching, brace yourself, baby. I'm coming for you. Stop praying to Mary. Stop praying to other dead people. They ain't going to help you. They're dead. There's only one who makes intercession. And here's what's cool. The physicality that stretched himself and died on a cross is forever in front of God, in front of the throne of judgment, saying, you can't touch them because I gave it all. Stop praying to dead people. Stop lighting candles as if that's going to do anything. It ain't going to do jack. Come stand boldly before the throne of grace and say, look at the sacrifice. Step into that place of power and say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Come down, come down, come down. I ain't done preaching. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who is the fool trying to separate you from God? Who? Who is trying to separate? What is trying to separate me? What's trying? No, no. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Oh my God, they hurt me. Who? What? You didn't like how the election turned out. You got four more years and then you won't like that one either. So get over it. It don't really mean anything. You do like how the election turned out. So flipping what? Because it doesn't matter. There's going to be another one in four more years and you're not going to like how that one turned out. It doesn't really matter. So we can get all bogged down. Oh God, it hurts. Stop. You're a child of God. Stand up boldly. My team lost. Oh my God, my team lost. Stop betting on it and it won't matter. Stop judging your life by everything that happens in this life and say, what shall separate me from the love of God? Not an election, not a bad team, not a pandemic, not a riot, not a protest, not a cultural war, not anything in this life. Nothing is going to separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. Second thing. You ready? Second thing. Remind yourself who he is and stop fearing failure. Stop. But I have doubt, but you're still on the journey. 
You're still breathing. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Somebody needs to get persuaded. Somebody needs to stop therapizing and somebody needs to get persuadifizing. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, just in case somebody came up with something that God didn't create, any other created thing. Ain't nothing going to separate you from him. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why do I need to accept his authority? Because that's the only place I have salvation. Number three, y'all ready? Number three, live according to who he says you are. All right, let me break this down, then I'm going to be done. Then we're going to baptize some people. Four ways to live his authority. Again, stop speaking it. There's enough words been given. Truth be told, there's 66 books of word. We don't need anything else. Four ways to live his authority. First, accept who he is. Second, recognize his authority. Third, submit to his authority. And fourth, live his authority authority. You have to accept it. You have to recognize it. You have to submit to it. Then you have to live it. This good? The problem is we live our doubt. The problem is we live our struggle. The problem is we live our proclivities. That's why we identify ourselves by the things that we struggle with have a problem dealing with reality and I need an escape so I call myself an addict my emotions are out of whack and I'm, I'm hurting so I drink an elixir to feel better and I call myself an alcoholic isn't it interesting the devil knows our name yet calls us by our sin but Jesus knows our sin and says I'm still going to call you by your name Here's the deal. He knew you before he ever laid the foundation of the earth, and that's who he wants you to be. So where do we get identity from? We don't get identity from the world. Stop looking for someone else to affirm you. Everybody loves an attaboy, but that doesn't mean anything. Stop going there. Go to the Word of God and say, who do you say that I am? Because I recognize who you are. 